Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here and staying for my one, which is, I know, last on the list. Um, yes, this is a special live edition of Control-Alt-Delete, which I've been doing for three years, which is kind of mad. So what a lovely way to celebrate with all of you. So my podcast is all about social media, the internet, creativity, and how those two kind of interact. So how do we get anything done when we're addicted to our phones and laptops? And it started off as a really positive podcast, which it still is in many ways, but it's actually turned into a well-being and mental health podcast, I find, because you can't talk about modern life without talking about mental well-being. So in collaboration with Twinings today, which I'm very excited to partner with because I love tea, I'm trying to say this with a straight face, but a cup of tea I don't think is just a cup of tea. I don't know if any of you here know the Catlin Moran quote, which is nine times out of ten, you're not having a nervous breakdown, you just need a cup of tea and a biscuit, because that should be step one, just go and have a cup of tea and, and five minutes to yourself. And today really is about taking small steps to feeling better, it's about taking more time for yourself, it's about positivity and taking things slowly. So very much on brand for the podcast. So the tea that I've been paired with is the Energize tea, which is about energy. And I think, I don't know about you, but I need it in January, if I'm being honest. So um, it's got vitamin B6, contributes to energy-yielding metabolism, which just means it gives you a bit more of a pep, and I'm all about that. So on to my amazing guest, who, when I thought about energy and energetic behaviors, I thought of you. People, so Poppy Jamie, everyone, let's do a, a round of applause. Um, so Poppy is a well-being entrepreneur, founder of Happy Not Perfect, an app, also the creator of Pop and Suki, an amazing accessories brand. So do people say that you're energetic quite a lot? Yes, very. I, I don't um, want to put you on the spot. I you have, don't have to jump up and down. I have to say, I've always been quite an energetic person. Even when my alarm goes off, I just get all this kind of like blood rush to my brain. And I'm like, oh, I'm awake. And um, <laughs> I used to, I, I think these people used to almost kind of hate me in the morning. So I'd be like, hi. But I think it really, when I think to myself, and as I grow older and, you know, everyone used to say to me, oh, you're not going to be th this energetic in 10 years time. And it is true. <laughs> they were right. I do. It's interesting how, as I've grown older, I kind of look at kind of, and I remember my 18-year-old energy, and th and thought, and I thought, wow, like you had so much energy. And so now, I'm really kind of interested on in how we preserve our energy. I mean, I'm a great believer in quantum physics that all we are is energy. But just, you know, when you are an optimum energy, you're actually boosting your immune system, you're, you're, you know, and, and, and everything about you and just life just seems much more aligned. Mm. Um, so when stuff and challenges do face us, you have the energy to be able to respond to those challenges in a way that's going to kind of protect you and keep you in good stead moving forward. It's a really good point about the energy because I find that nowadays before I take on a project or something work-related or actually even something in my personal life, I do kind of think how much energy, like how much of, how much of myself am I going to have to give to this? Because actually it's a, it's a currency that we don't talk about as much, I think. Right. This idea of a finite, I'm, I'm so aware these days of um, how, yeah, it's finite energy. It's, and it's something to not take for granted. And I think when you're young, you, you know, you can like fall out of trees and have your kind of knees scraped and you're still going, you're bouncing back. Whereas, you know, especially I would say, you know, as women, um, 
uh, who, who are you giving your energy to? I think this word we almost used to be a little bit scared of a few years ago because it just seemed a little bit futuristic and because we couldn't touch it, it, it I think people kind of use the word less. Mm-hmm. Whereas now more and more I'm... I'm I'm seeing other people use this word energy a lot. I think because for that exact comment, it's it's a currency, and it's interesting. A lot of the recent articles that have come out about women, especially in emotional labour, and how much people expect women to give all the time. And actually, I think sometimes people can fall into the trap of thinking that a nice woman means free therapy. And it's like, yeah. no, actually, I need to preserve my energy and not just give, give, give to other people all the time. So one of the messages I wanted to talk about was small steps. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about your career and then we'll move on to some other things. But your career has been so interesting and you've done so many different things. And you're like me, a multi-hyphenate. You can't really define yourself by one role. And do you think it's true that maybe you've you've made small steps, changed things, made small tweaks? You, You haven't necessarily had like one grand plan. It's just lots of really great diversions. Um, You started off presenting the first ever Snapchat show and just one thing's led to another, basically. Yeah, absolutely. It... uh I think that when I look back at my career, nothing makes sense, but then everything makes sense. And uh, I think it probably leads into... um, being brought up in a way to not fear failure. So you kind of always just said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, let's move to LA. Yeah, you know, let, you know let's go to that thing where I'm going to meet that person from Snapchat. And suddenly, you know, we launched a show. And um, it was this kind of flexibility, I suppose, in saying just yes to things. And it's, it's ended up in this kind of mesh of career. I remember asking you about that because I know you just said I moved to LA but it wasn't actually as glamorous as it sounds <laughs> really like Poppy used to basically meet someone and then sleep on their floor for a bit I say that because <laughs> no, you was, take was opportunities yeah no totally I mean honestly I, I I booked this was when Airbnb had just started up I booked the Airbnb the night before I went I ended up arriving to the kind of the cheapest thing I could find on there which was almost kind of this like dungeon in West Hollywood he was slightly worried about my safety and uh, and the beauty of blind optimism and I think probably leads into positivity I think I just was you know uh, my mother is the most unbelievably positive person we weren't really allowed to complain when we were little which kind of almost gave us this we didn't even being realistic just wasn't in the dictionary it was just yeah and so kind of when I look back now I think oh my god you 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 slept on a beauty pageant queen's floor he randomly met for a few months and she had a Saint Bernard and and then and then he had to leave and yeah it's there's some of the stories I look back and I'm like how did you do that I'm glad you're here to tell the tale today (laughs) um with your Mum, so could you tell the story about how your app, Happy Not Perfect, came about? Because she's a part of it, isn't she? Yeah, very much so. Uh, So my mother is a psychotherapist. And uh, and my father is an entrepreneur who suffered from severe stress and anxiety for his entire life. And so from the age of really young, six or seven, I remember having conversations with my my brothers. When we would say, you know, dad's really, really stressed. Like, what do we do about it? And it's that kind of children 
you know, banding together, like, can we help mum and dad? You know, like, shall we tell them we don't want to go on holiday because they may not be able to afford it? And so we don't want to put the stress on them to think that we want to go on holiday. And, um, and you realise the, you know, emotional stress not only affects a person, but affects everybody in their entire life. And, you know, because emotions are contagious. Energy is contagious. And, um, and so my mother, you know, began to dedicate her entire life to learning all sorts of different therapies to look after my dad. And so, you know, we would be kind of, you know, 10 and 11 and, um, and we would meditate as a family and, and it would last for a few seconds between, you know, one of my brothers would like decide he wanted to go watch the football instead. But it was this kind of normalizing meditation and what that meant for people and what that meant for the family, and especially what that meant for my dad. Um, and um, and I, th- I think I forgot I had this kind of almost psychological experiment in, in, in the house like from such a young age. And then when I, you know, moved to LA and you know, I suppose I kind of just painted probably a quite a fun picture of this kind of like girl, you know, bouncing around. But, you know, in all honesty, it was pretty traumatic. You know, you're you're eight hours away from, you know, 12 hours away from home and you've got no idea if you're going to even like survive or afford to live the next week and you'd have to be on a, fl- a flight home. Anyway, miraculously, I uh, ended up you know, launched this show on Snapchat. And it wasn't long before I used to get thousands of messages from the Snapchat community. And it was the first time where there was really an outlet for people to be honest. Because we, you know, uh, this, this is what I find so incredible about humanity right now. We are kind of like the first generation to experience some of the, um, um, like the biggest changes in the way that we live. Like we didn't have this, uh, this, these technologies, you know, there even 15 years ago. And so suddenly we all got the most addictive tool and you talk about this a lot. And it was just this expectation to deal with it. And there's a great quote I like to use. Um, the human ability to create is so much faster than the human ability to adapt. We spend so much of our time creating. Let's make it fast. Let's make it more efficient. Whereas, when, where do we, when do we spend time? Like, how do we adapt to this? How do we adapt to 150 emails? How do we adapt to the fact that our entire, the entire world, if they wanted to, knows stuff about us that usually 15 years ago our just most intimate friends would know? And the fact that we know so much about other people, which we didn't know before. Um, And um, I used to receive all these messages saying, I'm just so stressed out. And it really, what was so beautiful is you realize we're all the same. We're all dealing with the same stuff. We've all had, you know, hardships in our life. Um, and, all, on, and, and it's all relative. But it doesn't take away the impact on the person. Mm-hmm. And from these messages, I just saw an enormous amount of mental struggle. And four years ago, this conversation was not being had on podcasts or stages or even between people. We were just so alone with our crazy minds that have 40 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And we didn't even know that. And, we, and, um, and there was this moment of, oh my God, like, we're, I'm the, I, I relate to these messages, but, but, what, but, but surely we can't just put up with the struggle. Surely this isn't life that all of us every day are kind of worrying silently and at 3 a.m what do you do when you wake up and you're anxious and you can't go back to sleep and you're abandoned like what but surely that's not life god this is reminding me of has anyone seen that film the circle where she's just like got constant barrage of messages and watching that film i was like that sounds awful and i'm like well that's actually all of us every day 
so many things constantly bombarding us. Right, even if you have an experiment of like going in the shower and just kind of like notice how many things you think about in the shower and you think about that, that goes on all day, every day. And, you know, our kind of, you know, our, uh, you know, our, our amygdala, which is our emotional mind, just kind of, you know, thought after thought. Um, but when I look back of kind of, you know, to, well, how can we help ourselves? Like, how can that not be the case? I went straight to my mother. I thought, well, that's, that's what my dad used to do. My mum used to intercept those, those thoughts and to Britain to help calm his you know, very busy mind. And um, and that was really the thought for Happy Not Perfect. Mm. How do I put my mum in an app? How do I give her to the world? How do we all have the resources and tools um, to be able to look after our mind in a different way? What are some of the main features that you, you know, maybe two that you really, really love? I know there's lots of things you can do on the app. My personal favourite is you can write a list, a gratitude list, mm. which... I used to find quite embarrassing to say out loud, as in, I feel like people would think, oh, that sounds a bit woo-woo, kind of sat in bed writing a list. I think that's been normalised as well, because actually, I know most people now probably do that in some way or another. They'll write down just a list of things that they're grateful for, and it's amazing what it does to your brain. It switches everything into being like, oh, I've actually had quite a good day today. It might not have been the best day of my life, but nothing went wrong. Completely. I, so I quite like to explain how gratitude works. So in the app, you can do a grateful diary along with, it gives you a little, we call it the happiness workout. You get a whole kind of seven exercises to start rewiring our brain. Before I kind of tell you the science about gratitude, because I actually think it's like so fascinating. I'm not sure, do you know, have you spoken much about neuroplasticity? Okay, so neuroplasticity is this... I uh, can't say I have. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, because it sounds like this like, big word, and I was like, ooh, love using it. But actually, it's really simple. It basically is the word to describe our brain as like plastic. And knowing our brain is like plastic is the most liberating, empowering thing in the entire world. Because science has proven that we are not stuck with the brain we're born with. Science has proven that if we want to change our brain in any way at all, we can. And that is so, like, it just frees you from the feeling of an identity that you may not want to keep on to for any longer. I'm a negative person. I don't have energy. I like, oh, I'm like this. No, you're not. You are not like that. And it's, and, and, and that, and it's okay. And you can free yourself because science has proven you can uh, with exercise. So just like you want to change your body, just if you wanted to be a bit more flexible, you would, you know, stretch every night to be able to touch your toes in a few weeks. Um, you know, it's still a stretch for me. Um, your brain is the same. So, uh, so gratitude, for example, writing a gratitude diary every day, the power is in repetition. Is this idea of, a, okay, make myself a cup of tea. I do it actually, funnily enough, I do my grateful diary always over a cup of tea because I have to like link it in with something that I would do normally. So I make a, a cup of tea and I think to myself, okay, what can I be grateful for? And I'll do it in the evening as well. And, um, and gratitude works in the same way as if you... Um, bought a Zara dress. Um, you've bought the Zara dress and suddenly you're walking to work and you see five other girls on the tube wearing the same Zara dress. And you're like, oh God, everyone's bought the same Zara dress. You know, um, it clearly everybody has this dress. And you, it's like, this is clearly the most sold out dress because everybody's wearing this dress. The fact is, probably you went on the tube uh, like in other days and 
everybody was wearing blue shoes. But because you hadn't purchased blue shoes, that's not relevant information. So you wouldn't have you wouldn't have recognised the fact that five people on the on the tube had were all wearing blue shoes. And what what I mean is, you set brain filters. Our brain is being bombarded with so much information. You have to almost set your Google filter alert to pick up on what is relevant information. So when you start writing a gratitude diary, what you're doing is you're telling your subconscious brain, please tell me and and alert me to all the things that I can be grateful for in my life. So you buy a red car, suddenly you notice more red cars on the road. Gratitude diary works in the exact same way. You've got to set your brain to look for the things you're grateful for. Otherwise, you'll be stuck in the caveman brain. And we, and our caveman brain has a 60 to 70%, some studies say 80% negative bias. Mm. So we were wired to be negative because it used to help our survival. You'd walk into an environment, suddenly you'll see a lion and you'd be like, okay, I've got to get out of here, got to get out of here. I'm This is... This is a threat to my survival. So mm-hmm. we've got this whole thing about energy and like positivity. Really what we're doing is rather than uh, wiring our brain to survive, we need to rewire our brain to thrive. And that is kind of being, doing these exercises to think more positively. That's so interesting because I, I agree that um, the things that I've been writing that I'm grateful for before were just invisible. It was like, oh yeah, of course I've um, got a roof over my head. Of course I've got, um, I'm in a relationship with someone. I, you know, that's not anything to be grateful for. That's just my life now. And I think that's also how we then always want more because the minute we've got something and then we normalise it and it's like bottom of the pile, it doesn't matter anymore. Then it's gone. And yeah, I've I've loved it. And it's really interesting about what you're saying about rewiring your brain um, because mantras and repetition and saying that you are good at something it you can see it you can see the results um you obviously you work in this space a lot more than me when it comes to trends in well-being you you just said before that actually talking about mental health is still pretty new as well and it's it's incredible the amount of people that are coming out and talking about it who have said they were too scared to before it's really positive what do you think is next what do you think is kind of coming up from what you're seeing at all these well-being summits and things? Um, gut health. I think that uh, our tummy and our stomach is a second brain. So it's pretty, it's nearly impossible just to kind of think your way into positivity or to happiness. Um, so I think that us being a lot more careful with the food we're eating, are we, are we eating hormones, Really seeing ourselves as machines, you know, if you wanted a machine to work well, you wouldn't feed, you know, feed it lots of like sluggish things that then the machine would slow down. So I think there's going to be a real focus on our microbiome because there's so many studies coming out and, and that's kind of intaking probiotics and how critical that is, especially as women. And when we, and you know, we have antibiotics that are given out so freely. Mm-hmm. Antibiotics really like shed the skin of like a balanced microbiome. So I think... T- I'm going to go home and Google all these words. Yeah. So your microbiome is just like your bacteria in your stomach and um so if you're you know if you're having kind of like a, 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 you know just you know that we all have them you know weeks and months you're just feeling a bit like ugh. um i would i would always i would experiment with probiotics like you know a, a good quality probiotic mm. um because especially with our modern day lifestyle and stress and stress like there was a study done in 1995 95 percent of all illness is stimulated by stress 
you know, because when we're stressed, it, it releases cortisol, that's the stress hormone, um, and that then inflames our body, inflames our mind, and this is, I think, sometimes we forget, and, and what is so brilliant, what's happening now in culture, is I think we used to celebrate stress, like I did definitely, oh, I haven't slept, I've worked so hard, you know, like, you know, yeah. pat myself I on the back. I think that's changing, because I'm just... Uh, I don't know. I don't think people react in the same way of you can have a round of applause if you've slept for three hours, which I think it used to be. I think that used to be a sign of you're doing really well. Now I would say well done for the complete opposite, prioritizing yourself to the point where you're not um, that tired. But talking, moving on a bit more from that to maybe consumption as a whole. So I, I noticed that on your social media, in your bio, you've said this is a curated feed. Like you're very much spelling it out that actually what you're consuming maybe isn't the you know the not real but not the 24 7 your life which it can't be do you think that social media addiction is going to be discussed in a bit more detail scientific wise because I think people still don't call it an addiction whereas I think I'm addicted I think I am I think a good way to tell if you're addicted or not because you know I talk about this all the time and I fully am addicted um because you know, and I think, look, we're all, to be honest, we're all addicted to so many things. So that word, I think, is, like, slightly troublesome in itself. Um, because I think that, look, many of us not in this room, we need to be on social media for work. Yeah, and um, so I'm very focused on how do we build better relationships uh, with social media? Because I think we all know that it can have an impact on our well-being. Uh, a, good, a good experiment is to delete the app maybe just for a day, because what I found anyway, when I delete, I, I usually try and delete it for one day a week, my hand, it's in my muscle memory to go and pick up my phone and look at Instagram. So I'll be in the car somewhere, or, you know, at home watching telly, and I'll notice my hand, just go to my phone, open it up, and do the flick, flick, press, and I'll be like, oh my God, I've deleted Instagram. I can't do that. This, the app's not there. And that what, that's what was shocking to me when I first did these kind of like delete days. My hand... Didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was in my muscle memory to go look. And I thought, wow, it's become... Um, uh, it was really interesting. I was at this poetry evening last night and there was this poem by Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Roald, Roald Dahl. Is it? <laughs> Roald Dahl. It's Roald Dahl, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he wrote a poem about television, about, no, about how he was so worried about kids watching television when televisions first came out because he, in the poem he looks at how it's, it's killing the imagination of children and just, you know, we're kind of however many years on and we're saying the same thing about, you know, mobile phones and video games but with the same kind of worrying it's killing our emotion uh, our imagination um so um it's i think that we so are we we're almost terrified of being bored so our social media becomes just this kind of aimless distraction so that's why you know for example happy not perfect has been you know i kind of created it for myself to be honest it was like a real selfish endeavor and also at the same time helping lots of people um because instead of going to a feed where i'm psychologically always looking out you I, I always like to use the the comment comparing other people's outsides to your insides and um and to actually go to Happy Not Perfect instead, which is about nurturing my inside in a way that I leave, you know, glass half full rather than glass half empty because, you know, the grass is greener. Yeah. No, I, I think that's so interesting what you're saying about um, technology that can start helping us because I actually get really annoyed when the advice is just like, 
put it in a drawer for a week or go mm. cold turkey and it's like well a it's my job so mm. sadly I can't just turn it off and b that that's too extreme for me I want these small helpful daily steps not the, not this magical digital detox which will, will never happen um I really wanted because this is live and and different from just doing it normally um wanted to do a couple of questions if anyone has any. I think we've got time for maybe two, but I just want to make sure that we don't miss anything off because it's such a, a great topic which affects everyone. So if anyone has a question and, and you don't mind appearing on the podcast on iTunes, um, then please do. I think we've got a mic just, um, just there. Hello. Um, firstly, I find you really inspiring. What you're saying is completely right. Um, with regards with well-being inside, what would you say about... The outside, so Instagram, for example, is making a lot of women feel like they should change their look to look a certain way. I was wondering if you could put some perspective on that. Um, such, a, such a good point. Actually, we were just discussing um, before we came on stage how I've noticed that we, we all kind of end up looking like each other because probably subconsciously we're all consuming the same content. So then we're all kind of slightly making the same, same decisions. Um, I think... I think it does go back to really managing your time on Instagram to keep your individuality. You know, I think almost we've got to really fight for our own kind of choices and our own individual choices because without us realizing, and I think because our understanding of the brain is, you know, uh, at school for so long, we were, never, we were never taught it. You know, I say we left school learning how to read and write, but not how to be a human being. And, you know, I think it really, um, this change starts with education and actually the responsibility of us all to self-learn and, and learn the power of the subconscious mind on, you know, and that's how Facebook advertising and Instagram, Instagram advertising, you know, you, you look at a product and then suddenly you're seeing this product everywhere as the adverts follow you. And us just waking up to that and I think just raising the awareness that this is happening then helps us to, you know, I suppose not be followers but be leaders of our own, you know, of our own decisions. And I think also it comes from being aware, I think, of who you're following and actually following lots and lots of different people, mm. different causes. I don't ever want my scroll on Instagram to be too samey. I think that then you're kind of putting yourself in this sort of prison of things that are too similar. The point of Instagram is it can be anything. So just curate your own magazine. And I think it's wonderful. That's such a good, that's such a good point. One more Thank question. You. Anyone? Got one at the back there. Thank you. Hi. Um, just in terms of your day-to-day -day life, what are the things that, you know, what would be your sort of top tip to chill out and <laughs> not have your head doing itself in, really? Um, I love the idea of rituals. So, you know, for example, actually, funny enough, tea is a great example of that. Um, I really look forward to like my morning tea and if I can try and couple that with actually reading a, a, actually something physical so not on my phone it allows me to ground and I, I love this word, word ground because it's really resonating with me at the moment I spend you know going back to what my kind of my first few points like so much time in my head like you know these all these thoughts spinning and you know, and information's always on tap. 
to chill, I really kind of these kind of just going back to basics, the idea of making a cup of tea, reading just a magazine, like my favorite thing on a Sunday is to read Sunday time style with a cup of tea. And there's just like this, this just even half an hour of grounding in the evening to do the same because I don't like being around blue light before I go to bed. Um, again, a warm, you know, just like a warm drink and to process the day and then that actually and then it will take a bath so I think it's just to really carve out time for these moments where you're not being stimulated you're allowing yourself to be bored and uh, it may just seem like it, it, they're so small they seem so irrelevant you're like it's a bath or it's a cup of tea or something like that but actually the impact of them is just incredible yeah. on your well-being yeah and I feel like you have to go through that awkward phase sometimes, don't you, to reach those moments? Because I remember going through a really stressful time. Um, we were going to talk about burnout, but we didn't get to that. But um, I was really burnt out. And I remember waking up with like this adrenaline kind of rush. And I was trying to have a week off, but, and I didn't know what to do with my adrenaline because like my body was pumping this like stress, whatever it is, hormone. I don't know all the words. But I was feeling like I had to go and fight or flight. And actually, it was almost like withdrawal from something. I, I was going through a really weird time, but then by the end of the week, I could just relax. But it took practice. It took actual practice right. to sit down for 10 minutes on my own. It takes action. This is the thing. If we're really like passionate and committed to changing this, changing this conversation and the dialogue we even have to ourselves, you know, a great quote I always tell myself is an Einstein quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And you know, I'm, if you're anyone, if you're like me, I'm, and I talk about this the whole time, but there's one thing knowing and there's another thing doing. And I think sometimes feel like such a hypocrite and such a kind of like fraud and imposter when I'm like, I'm not practicing what I preach because I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm on overload. And then we all reach burnout. So it really is like forcibly making sure we carve out that time to, to unwind, to ground, um, mm. you know, for because it's a very long life. Yes. If, you know, and... And you've all done that today by sitting through three 45-minute podcasts. So <laughs> that's like well-being, um, 10 out of 10. Thank you all so much for coming and um, taking time out of your Monday to listen. And if you want to listen to it back again, because you loved it so much, <laughs> you can. Um, but thank you so much, Poppy, as well, for um, telling us everything you know. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Emma. Thanks.